Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new series that we have. We are going to be talking over the next four weeks about management. And this is something that a lot of you have had questions in in our poll here on the Pet Biz Hive. This was kind of up there in your choices of what you would like to discuss or what you've had challenges with lately is really figuring out um, everything with having a manager, hiring a manager, uh, what is involved with a manager, can you afford a manager, at what point in your business do you need a manager, how do you work your way up to a manager, Manager, and also adding those different management levels. So we are going to dive right into that. And this week we are going to be talking about, are you ready? So there's many things that you need to think about to figure out if it is the right time for you, if your finances are in the right place, and if your actual business structure is in the right place. So I am going to be sharing screen with you. A little bit new for me this time. Okay, not this, this one. Okay, there you go. Y'all should be able to see my screen. So presentation on management. Are you ready? Is your business ready? So in this presentation or in this training, we're going to define the manager's role and we need to determine what your pet business needs right now and how you need to look at your numbers. So we're going to dig right into this. There is math involved. I'm just warning you. Okay, so what is the role of the manager that you are looking for? This is very important that you sit down first and define what this role is going to be. So specifically, what do you want in a manager? Are you looking for someone that is just doing scheduling for you? Do you want a true manager that is managing your field? What is your ultimate goal? Do you envision a you know, medium-sized business where you are still working in the day-to-day, that it is your passion and you want to stay either in the field or you want to stay in the day-to-day management? Or do you want to get to the point where you have management and management layers that are able to run your business 100% without you? Um, Is your goal to completely get out of the field? This is a really important decision. It does take steps to get to that point, of course, for those of you that are still working in the field. You have to be able to cover, uh, you know, the predictably unpredictable, those emergencies. You have to have layers in place that remove you from being the next in line to take care of an emergency. So is that your ultimate goal to get out of the field? Not that you can't choose your own pets that you want to go take care of, but is your goal to not have to have the responsibility of the day-to-day coverage? And what do you specifically enjoy doing? This is a really big question. There's probably things in your business that you have to do, and it's like, 
oh my gosh, like I'm going to the dentist. Like I really need to get into QuickBooks and I need to go ahead and uh, add a few things. And where are my receipts? And ugh, can't I just put it in a bucket somewhere and I'll deal with it later? You know, some people can't stand that. Other people like, why can't people just fill out the electronic form and set up their own account? Why do I need to call them? All my questions are answered on my website. This is so annoying. I do hear these kinds of things. So some people don't enjoy talking on the phone. Some people don't like working directly with employees. They don't really want to be doing the people management aspect. Uh, some people just want to go out there and take care of the dogs, take care of the cats, you know, do what they're passionate about and why they started this business in the first place. So you really need to think of what those things are that you really do truly enjoy. Okay. And uh, there's a little bit of difference here. I kind of put three quote positions up for you to really think about the distinctions between them. So a scheduler. So are you looking for just a scheduler, someone that is going to um, take your client calls and make sure that the visits are physically in the software and the staff knows what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it? Or would you like to have more of an office position where there's a little bit more accountability there? Maybe they are um, assisting with some of the tracking and some of the back office duties that you have to keep an efficiently running business. Maybe they are helping you with your client nurturing. Uh, maybe you have them going out and dropping off marketing materials at local pet professionals. So that might be more of an office structured position versus an actual manager who is ultimately a general manager is going to be really the integrator of your business. They are going to know what's going on in each aspect and they are going to have key responsibilities to push certain numbers in your company. So you need to figure out based off of where you are in your business, which one of those roles that you are more looking for. I keep pulling that up. Dang it. Sorry, guys. Okay. This, of course, can't just be the person that you dump all the trash on. I know it can be really tempting of you saying, oh, well, I don't like doing the books and I don't like calling the people and I don't like doing spreadsheets. You really don't want this person to be just the person that you give all of those things that you don't like to. It's very hard to find one person out there who has multiple skills. You know, people have to develop these business skills somewhere. So if there are skills that you have not developed in yourself, then it would be a rare unicorn that you would be able to find just out on the market that wouldn't have uh, a gargantuan price tag attached to it that is going to be able to do all of these things. So you want to make sure that it's very clear responsibilities and very core areas of responsibility that you want to have this person do. So you really need to define that. <laughs> okay. All right. So steps to getting there. So like I said, some of you are into getting out of the field and getting to that point where you can choose what you do with your day and you're not involved in the day-to-day -day of your business. So everybody kind of starts out with overwhelm. Um, you know, if you're watching this, you probably have a little bit of overwhelm going on in your business right now. So the first step really that most businesses go to, you know, we, we're at the overwhelm phase when we're in that starter and grower phase 
We've got a lot of business. We've hired a couple of people, but you're wearing every single hat. I mean, you are trying to keep up with your books. You are actually out there doing visits yourself. You're doing all the scheduling. You're managing your people. There's just a lot going on at this point. So you realize, okay, well, I am going to see about actually getting a part-time scheduler because your personal time is better spent generating more business than just sitting in the office doing the scheduling. So you definitely don't want to risk the chance that visits are missed or uh, you know a ball is dropped because you are just busy doing all of the other things. So a lot of people choose to start with a part-time scheduler. The nice thing about this position is once someone is trained on your process, this can be a work from home position. You just have to make sure that you have very clear accountabilities and very clear reporting. So you do know what they are doing, the hours that they are working, et cetera. That is a really good place to start to kind of dip your toes in having someone that is doing the other things besides the field work. After that, I do recommend that you look at on-call assistance kind of in between these two steps. You know, once you have a part-time scheduler that is able to take that off of your plate, I do recommend that you start giving yourself more margin in your life. You start giving yourself your evenings and your weekends. You make sure that you hire evening and weekend staff that can accommodate those visits for you because that bandwidth to sit and breathe and take the opportunity to dream big about your business, that space is necessary for a lot of the following steps. So you do want to have a strategy to get through that scheduling process, have evening and weekend people come on to your team so you can have evening and weekends with no direct pet care. And then I do recommend having other responsibilities um, delegated to on-call assistance. The way that I usually look at these um, and the way that we do this in our team is your on-call assistants are typically, of course, going to be some of your best staff. We actually have two on a rotating schedule and two amazing um, caregivers that we have on the team who are also very detail-oriented. That's definitely important for this. Strangely enough, they are both teachers. Um, I Let's see. I think one of them is a... I think she's a... No. Are they both music teachers? Wow. I think they are both music teachers in the elementary school. Isn't that crazy? They are both elementary teachers. And um, they are both very detail oriented. I guess when you're, you know, herding cats with two legs all day, you do have to have a little bit of detail down. So our on-call assistants work really a prearranged schedule. We do have the certain times during the day when we do our visits. So they are available in case any staff have an emergency or some sort of an urgent need. Other than that, we have three scheduled times during the day where they have a key hour that they work. So we have, let's say our morning time, our morning window uh, for visits is from seven to 9 a.m. And so they actually work from 8.30 until about 9.30. And during that time, of course, when they clock in, they make sure everybody is where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be. They check all the visit reports and they make sure that any updates are made that need to be made. 
Then they have an additional time afternoon and an additional time in the evening to clock in. Again, I said rotating schedule. We have uh, one that works Monday, Wednesday evenings, the other one Tuesday, Thursday evenings, and then they alternate weekends. Really great system. They love it. They love the additional responsibility. And then at the end of their evening shift or their weekend shift, if it is their weekend, they email our general manager, um, letting the general manager know what issues came up and if there's anything that needs to be followed up with. So it works absolutely beautiful for us. I would recommend you creating that kind of margin in your life too. This does take some office training to get them to understand your software and your process. So keep that in mind. Then the next step that we have, we now have, of course, evenings and weekends cleared with no visits. We now have it cleared with no responsibilities for taking staff calls and checking messages to make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be. So then perhaps you are at the point as you are up leveling that you are looking for possibly a part time manager that can also do visits. We have actually two full-time managers that also do visits. The beauty of this is they are also generating revenue for your company, which can then pay for their position. So a great thing to consider. Maybe that part-time manager structure is uh, someone who perhaps comes into the office in the morning or work from home. We have an actual physical location, but the majority of companies do not. So perhaps they do work from home and they are making sure all of those business duties are done, that everybody's where they're supposed to be. They're doing follow-up with clients. You know, they're managing all of those things that really take up a lot of time for you. While you are out marketing in the morning, you're talking to professionals, you're coming up with new marketing strategies. It frees up your time a lot. So, you know, maybe they go out and they're doing a series of midday walks, which, you know, actually offset their compensation, which is wonderful. So perhaps they're just doing midday walks and they're coming back to um, work on office work for the rest of the afternoon. There's a lot of flexibility in that position that can be uh, where they just are working part-time hours, perhaps 20 to 30 hours actually on um, what you need to have done as the manager. And then they are, of course, doing visits in addition. That is a great place to be because you're starting to unload more of those managerial tasks. And you additionally have the opportunity to work with that person and mold that person into eventually what is going to be a full-time manager position. Sometimes that is going to end up being the right person with initiative who really takes ownership of the mission of your business and uh, you know, the actual company themselves. And sometimes they're just not the right fit. Sometimes you can find that perfect uh, future GM within your company. Other times you need to outsource in the open market. That is what I ended up doing was um, hiring from outside the company and it was the best decision for me. When we move on to that full-time manager position, this is really something you have to seriously think about because you are giving up a lot of, I hate to say control, but you have to be willing to give authority to this person. 
you have to empower them to be able to make independent decisions. They are going to encounter challenges throughout the workday, and those are their monkeys. Those are not your monkeys. You have to make sure you give them all the tools that they need to be able to make those decisions. And then they can come back to you and say, okay, this is this decision that I made. Um, if they need to come to you beforehand, they need to come to you with solutions to whatever challenge they have. And it takes a period of time. It, it did with bringing on our full-time manager until that person does feel confident in their accountabilities and also confident that you as a leader are going to be able to guide them appropriately in their position. And then our next step is running into your additional management layers. So, you know, your on-call assistants are wonderful for evenings and weekends. You now have a full-time manager who is taking care of the everyday office. Um, as you grow and get busier, that full-time manager, if they are doing scheduling, if they are trying to do tracking, if they are checking all of the messages, taking the calls, they're going to get to the point where it is too much volume for them. And you need to look at bringing on additional managers for different levels. Um, there are you know, several different categories in the standard organizational chart, which I will show you a little bit later. But once we hit that point where we can cover all those layers, you do have the ability to choose what you do with your day. So whether you do want to go out and you do want to do the pet care, if you want to work on some specific new upstream marketing, if you want to take on finding events, yeah, if you want to go volunteer at the local rescue, you have the ability to choose what you want to do. So with the actual organizational steps to get through these phases, first step is you have to calculate your income requirement. If right now you are working in the field and you are doing the scheduling and you're really kind of at the beginning to start out and you don't know if you can afford to have, you know, even the part-time scheduler come on board, what you really need to do is figure out your income requirement. If you've never done this, this is you know, just your standard budgeting. Uh, pull your last month, last two months of bank statements and categorize each one of those things. Figure out if you have any fluff that you're spending. If you go out to eat a lot, you know, you need to take that under consideration. Figure out what your budget actually has to be every month and call that your income requirement. Then you need to take your business accounts over the last, usually I say the last quarter, and you want to separate it out into what is uh, paid to your staff. Now, of course, you want to calculate your staff generated revenue and what is paid to them, including all of your payroll expenses and workers' compensation. That all needs to be in a lump. So your margin is your percentage. So if you generate $1,000 and with all of those expenses I just mentioned, it costs your company $500, then your margin is 50%. So calculate your margins for your uh, cost of service, your COS, that is all of those expenses for your employees to fulfill the services. 
you want to figure out what your operating expenses are completely separately. That's all of your fixed and variable expenses for the company to keep it running. Make sure you don't have any fluff in there too as you look through it. You also want to figure out you know, how much you need to make down on the bottom line. It's usually good, depending on the size of your business, to have at least uh, with the larger businesses, a 20% uh, profit margin. So that's kind of a consideration. We'll have some more numbers in a bit. You need to go ahead and define your KRAs and KPIs. That is your key result areas and your key performance indicators. The importance of this is figuring out what you want that position to be. You want to have it clearly defined so they do know this is my responsibility. You know, this is yours. This is mine. The worst thing is to have somebody in your company that is not clear on what their responsibilities are. And at that point, there's always a question of who is supposed to do this? You know, who's true responsibility is this action. And you definitely do not want balls to be dropped in that kind of a situation either. So make sure you do those, have those well-defined with your KRAs and KPIs. Another thing is having written SOPs. Those are your standard operating procedures. We're talking about this right now in our uh, PetBiz MBA membership. We're really digging deep into SOPs to try to get uh, the members to have those written and definitely be clear on what needs to be done in those. But you do want to uh, very carefully and strategically bring someone on board with a lot of those things already set up in writing, which will completely benefit everyone. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm actually plugging in my computer. It sends me the little warning signal. All right. Next screen. So we are going to set up some assumptions here as we give you an example. So these are our assumptions. Uh, this might not be the scenario that you're looking at for your company, but just to give you a, a general example. So we're, assumption, we're looking at a full-time manager. An assumption that you are not in a state that has a very elevated minimum wage, uh, thinking about standard of living being $15 an hour. Uh, your goal is having a maximum 50% cost of service. That is, again, having um, revenue that your staff generates and comparing that to the cost of your staff. So cost of service can also be called cost of staff. And there's an assumption that you will offer some kind of benefits in this full-time position, because especially in this job marketplace, you need to have something. There is a lot of value in working for a pet company. Uh, people that that is a passion and want to be involved in the pet industry, they will trade passion and joy in what they do every day for a bit of a reduction in income, if that makes sense. So I think kind of anyone that has a job, if they love it and it excites them to get out of bed in the morning, that is a lot of 
value and compensation in itself. So that is a bit of an understanding in the industry and anyone that comes to work in the industry. Okay, here is our example. We're going to start counting bones. So as I mentioned, we're just going to go with that $15 per hour equivalency, which is $31,200 per year. Plus, you're going to have some form of benefits, um, you know, PTO, we have a healthcare stipend, we have, you know, a whole benefit package for people, but, you know, think about what you can do to start. Um, and then adding on, of course, your payroll expenses, we're just going to, for easy numbers, say that it's an estimate that you need annually of $40,000 to pay a manager. Now, at 50% four, at cost of services, you need to actually generate $80,000 in revenue to be able to break even on a $40,000 cost manager, unless they also do pet care themselves. And then you have kind of a sliding scale on what is necessary there. If they're doing pet care, the, um, the revenue from that pet care will directly offset the cost of their position. So we've handled our manager. So let's say you have done your own income requirements and you absolutely need to gross $50,000 yourself. So go ahead and plan for 60,000 because you know there's always additional expenses and there's of course going to be uh, your own payroll expenses or your own um, tax account if you are um, like a sole proprietor or something like that. And uh, you take that $60,000 that is going to be the cost, including expenses, and you consider what needs to be generated by your other staff to cover you. So that would be at 50% cost of service, $120,000. So in order for you to not be in the field and to still make what you need at needing to gross $50,000, your other employees need to do $120,000 of work. I hope that makes sense to you there. So if you've got the $120,000 that is the coverage for you and the $80,000 that is the coverage for your manager, the minimum right there is $200,000 of revenue that is needed. Now, again, 200,000, unless your manager is doing pet care and you are doing pet care, that number can go down. So if you see that's kind of a sliding scale, you start building these positions, you start reducing the amount of uh, work that you do in the field until you get to that point. Of course, with only $200,000 of revenue, there is no operating expenses covered in those numbers. So if your company is only making $200,000 of revenue and you are looking at having uh, a full-time manager or office or scheduler, whatever you would like to call it, that person is going to have to do pet care to offset their cost. And you're probably going to have to do pet care in order to offset your payroll. Uh, you have to make sure that you do have your operating expenses covered. So it's pretty skinny at that $200,000 of revenue mark. Really what I have discovered is there's a little bit more of a sweet spot 
right around 300,000 in revenue. So looking at the number breakdown there for margins, these are just standard margins, which aren't terribly far off from what I have in my company. I believe right now we are at 14% whenever we do our quarterly calculations. We're at a 14% margin for manager. Uh, we have pretty significantly increased some of the payroll and benefits we get. So we're slightly higher on that. I know I tell everybody the under 50% and we're actually a couple percentage points over right now, but I have a great team and I love the way things are working out. And then um, our operating expenses, you know, I think those might be 12 or 13%. Uh, of course, if you think about it, uh, as you are scaling your operating expenses, you know, if you pay uh, for a certain amount of insurance, that's going to be spread out over more revenue. So as your revenue is growing, your operating expenses should be decreasing. Everything should be, you know, pretty relative there. So 50% uh, cost of service or $150,000. 15% operating expense, which is $45,000, 15% margin for your manager, which is $45,000, which does cover that $40,000 scenario from earlier, and then 20% for you, which covers that $60,000 that is needed for your position. So that truly is that sweet spot. Um, hopefully that does make a bit more sense for you. I uh, just wanted to finish up this first in our management series by having you just take a look at a fully built out, well, a fairly built out small business organizational chart or accountability chart. And this is actually ours for our company. Uh, I mean, we do have names on there, but uh, besides that, the green blocks are outsourced services. So, you know, on the top, of course, there is a visionary, which is usually going to be your president and founder. Um, that is the person who is, you know, really pushing the vision of the company forward in the marketplace. Then you have your integrator position, which is typically going to be your general manager. That person is in charge of making sure that everyone plays nicely with each other or the, the departments play nicely with each other. Of course, in a fabulous culture. Everyone is an amazing team and they work beautifully together, which thankfully we do have that. So uh, the integrator is that glue position that keeps everything functioning smoothly and knows what is going on in all the other departments. Then, of course, you have your marketing department, um, which is just all of the fun things about bringing in new business and figuring out how to reach the market and extend your brand awareness. Your operations is your field. That is all aspects of your staff out there actually doing the service. That is the what, when, and how. That is the fulfillment and making sure that clients are happy. So under that head, we do have, of course, client onboarding in our company. Our managers do new client appointments. We do have our on-call assistant managers. And then we do have our field staff that are doing the actual work. The next department is typically going to be your people or your HR department. So this is recruiting, training, evaluating, payroll, and other uh, 
HR responsibilities for file maintenance. And then, of course, the last main category that you have in most businesses is going to be your finance category. That is your numbers person, your spreadsheet person, your bean counter. So this would be uh, assisted by if you have a bookkeeper and your accountant, those are the people that are going to be on your finance team. So here's really an overview of the way you should look at your company. Even though you don't have all of these positions, possibly, you want to have them written down so you know the direction that you need to go and you know the aspects of the business that you need to focus on and what is going to be the best approach for you in your business. So hopefully this has helped you out this week and is going to help you as you start thinking about whether or not you are ready to bring a manager on your team. Make it a great week and what is your next best move? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move?